everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. What a freaking race. We are so excited to talk about the Australian GP. We had eight DNFs, like literally almost half of the grid, three red flags, and three world championships on the grid, on the grid, on the podium. We are very, very excited. So we're just going to jump in, buckle up. This might be a long one, but I think you're all here for it, um, given how much engagement we had on our Instagram and how many of you guys were messaging us this weekend. So I'm Chessa. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Sarah. For our main takeaways, I don't even know how to how to where to begin. <laughs> Just I literally don't know where to begin. But I did ask in my hot takes for this to be a spicy race. That was my main ask. I think I said something along the lines of, I just hope it's exciting. So I definitely think <laughs> the first race in F1 history with three red flags fit the, fits this bill. And plus a race with three world champs from different generations on the podium. I think it goes to show just what we love so much about F1, where you can have a really dominant team or teams, but individual races can still be just complete chaos with so much drama, great racing up and down the field. We had the Mercedes teammate drama I've been waiting for, some 2021 vibes with two Max Lewis front row starts, mistakes from race control, Alpines taking each other out, both from Clarence on the points, Carlos quite literally begging on the radio. Oh, Just so much to cover. And plus what seemed like a really incredible atmosphere and vibe from fans at the track. So I think it makes sense why Australia has a GP contract through 2035. They earned it with this one. Totally agree. We'll talk all about the vibes and everything. We have some like on the ground information from people who were there, which we'll discuss. But yeah, main takeaways for me, it was just the gift that kept on giving. And (laughs) I- That's the best way of putting it. (laughs) Not only three world champs on the podium, but this is the most decorated podium in history. Max, Lewis, and Alonso have 373 podiums between them and 11 drivers championship titles. Wow. That is pretty wild. And yeah, really three generations, like 20s, 30s, 40s. That's that's pretty cool. It's really awesome to see two older greats still up there competing at the top. And I just- I think, Sarah, this is what you were saying a little bit about this too, but like objectively racing in 2023 is such an exciting time to be a fan. I know we have Red Bull dominance and stuff, but like the super close spreads between the top 10 in quali, I think it was one of, if not the tightest spread between first and 10th in quali ever. So that is pretty insane. Just so much action, passing, teammate battles, chaos. Like it's just so fun. I definitely wish there were fewer DNFs this race because it's always very sad to see that and would rather see everyone finish, but we asked for a spicy race and we got it. So I'm definitely putting Melbourne on the top of my list for GPs I want to go to. So I will manifest that with you. Maybe for me, this race was absolutely chef's kiss. It kind of felt like the Brazil race last year. It's like the race, these are the races that you live for. Like you want this, but they also ruin you forever because (laughs) you don't get this much fun and craziness all at once, all the time. Like just seeing all this action that you guys talked about up and down the grid for quite literally hours on end. Like it was just, it was long. Um, Three it was plus amazing. Hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> and if you just throw in all the antics from the stewards and all, everything that was going on, it was almost too much, but never enough at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> we want it all. all. Right. <laughs> Let's do our MVPs, Tiggy. Okay. I'm going to give it to maybe not the most obvious pick, Piastri. I think we oh, need I to- love that. Yeah. We, I think we really need to take a moment to appreciate 
a rookie being able to show up to his home race in front of almost half a million people, try to fill Danny Rick's shoes as like the honorary Aussie hero, which is basically impossible, handle the immense amount of pressure on his shoulders, navigate the chaos that was this race, and get his first points at the same time, I think... I think was pretty incredible and he did it. He seemed to do it with poise and whatnot. So I know he had a lot of DNFs, but he absolutely deserved that result. And I'm super happy for him. Um, I'm also just going to go throw a quick MVP to our discord crew who stayed up and live chatted throughout this race. I know we chat every weekend, but this one, especially you guys absolutely just slayed in this chat (laughs) and it truly brought a tear to my eye to read all the messages and stuff. And just seeing the solidarity of staying up together for those of us in unfavorable time zones for this race. So (laughs) for me, my MVP surprise, surprise is Checo. I think it's never easy to start P20 from a uh, pit lane started that um, and to end up where he did, I think that was really great. And he was just doing his thing, heads down, picking people off and had some nice, some nice overtaking areas as well. Definitely agree with that. I think pit lane to P5 drive is amazing. And see how he had some really amazing kind of unusual overtakes, like at turn nine, he was in the points by lap 22. He got fastest lap. The commentators were freaking out. They were like, turn nine needs to be renamed for Checo. (laughs) They were just losing it. So that was great. And then also I have to throw in Lewis. He had such a great drive. I think you know a drive is good when even your longtime rival and someone you feuded with, a.k.a. Alonzo, goes out of his way. Alonzo said multiple times Mm -hmm. he was saying, I was – maybe had a little more pace than Lewis, was so close to him the whole race, but he had a flawless drive, only had one tiny lockup in 58 laps. Like there was no mistakes that I could use to get past him. So I think that goes to show that it was an epic drive from him. (laughs) And I loved the sportsmanship of just how happy he was for the team, how – because obviously he wants to be winning. He doesn't want to be in P2, but just given the hardships they face, like he was just such a good sport about it. And then – Extra shout out to the commentators and the camera crew. They had to dig deep here. By (laughs) hour three, they were just really running out of content. There were some really long zoom-ins just on Toto's face. (laughs) Alonzo was pushing some tires around during the last red flag. That got a long zoom-in. And then there was commentary like, Fernando is a wily old fox. (laughs) Yeah, not even like them finding content, but what they were saying about the content. Like at one point – the people in the crowd were doing the wave and the commentators three times in a row said they're doing the Mexican wave. And I mean, I'm Mexican. Like I didn't know that the wave was a Mexican thing. I mean, we did it a lot at the Mexican GP, but (laughs) anyways, it was good. Uh, All right, let's do LVPs. Mine is race control. I think it's normally a bad sign when multiple drivers are publicly calling it just a mess. We're definitely all for safety, but red flags are normally kind of just when barriers need to be repaired, cars are immobile on the racing line that need to be cleared, massive debris, et cetera. But in this case, two of the red flags were first off, evidently for gravel, and second off for one tire out with some debris. And as multiple drivers said, that's literally what safety car was invented for. They pack up the field, and when the whole field's on the other side of the circuit, they can quickly sweep up and clear some debris. So that was just really surprising. Shout out to the man kicking gravel <laughs> off the track as we saw. We would not like, we great. would not have gotten the pirouette show that we did without those red flags. Yeah, God bless that also, <laughs> Guys, guys, we got a DM about that video. It's like, I think that's my friend. 
<laughs> I was like, that is iconic. <laughs> Incredible. Absolutely iconic. And then even, again, about Alonzo's commentary, even Alonzo called Sainz's five-second penalty too harsh when Alonzo was the person who got hit. So that's when you know it might be too harsh of a penalty. Yes, we will definitely talk about that and get into our thoughts there. Um, so we talked about, for me, LVP, we talked about on the last episode how Fred Vassar was saying that everybody needs to remain calm. Not everything is going wrong. I wonder <laughs> if he is walking that back at this point or not. Um, I definitely don't think like the drivers or the strategy deserve LVP for this race, despite the no points, but I will definitely give it to the pace of their car generally. They're just so far off the pace, which we saw in quality, and it's just really disappointing. Like the car looks super fast and I do feel like it could have good potential, but it is just it is just not there. So it's a bummer. My LVP happened in I think it was like lap 56 or 57 when the Alpines just crashed into each other on that Horrible. restart. Um, especially just given the history of the Akon Gasly vibes. Um, that was something that I feel like didn't get enough coverage because it was so late in the race and really wasn't consequential to the ending order for, you know, the, the podium, but um, it was, it was hilarious. Um, okay. This is drum roll, please. A massive moment talking about hot takes because I'd say that my hot takes were the craziest last week and they all happen. <laughs> what? So, I what had, I had a Haas on the points. We had Hulkenberg and peace. Ten, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then um we had I had I wanted Stroll and Alonso both top five and they were four and five. So let's wow. go. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm feeling really, really happy about that. Wow. I had some success, not as much success. I said Piastri in the points and I said hopefully like high-ish up. So that was pretty good. I threw in a wrestle podium, which is so sad. Tiki, I- did you jinx it? <laughs> Well, he, yeah, he was looking good. I think had he not a pitted under the first safety car and was able to get that free pit stop with the right. red flag, and then he obviously the reliability issue. Like, I think he was definitely in a good position to do that. So sad. For me, I generally said I wanted for this to be more exciting than the standard Australian GP. So that definitely held up. It was more of a wish, but glad that came true. And then I threw in at the last second a stroll on podium which obviously did not happen, but P4 was close, so we'll take so it. The, That's that good. Quite, it might literally be the closest he gets all season. So, Sarah, we can all – the entire world can thank you for what was an amazing I don't know event. about that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, agree. I feel like Stroll is coming for a podium this year for sure. <laughs> Same. <laughs> if the Aston Martin keeps it up on pace, all they need is some – bad incident like rain okay not eight but rain max and checo taking each other out something like that which is possible so we'll see we'll see we shall see so let's dive into practice overall there were lots of traffic issues during practice lots of issues with drivers impeding each other not seeing each other race engineers not telling someone that there was a car on a flying lap behind them this is topical because we just talked about driver rules racing etiquette all of those things Um, At one point, Max impeded Lando, who was coming up on a flying lap behind him and got mad at his race engineer and apologized to Lando, which is wild. Um, And then there were so many offs in FP1. Literally, everyone was just flying through the gravel, which I guess was foreshadowing for the race chaos. Oh, boy. For FP1, this was a weirdly entertaining practice. We had K-Mag twice in the gravel traps, Checo and Yuki also taking visits to the gravel tracks. Um with a huge offer, Yuki, um, ruining the brand new floor of his car. Um, and even Max and Lewis had slides and spins. 
Logan had a mechanical, Logan Sargent had a mechanical failure. And then there was also a lot of cars that were having um, bottoming out issues, which is definitely a throwback to last season. For FP2, it was damp and rainy. Again, lots of gravel trap issues, grass visits, wall kisses, wall pecks. And then everyone went in to put on inters due to the rain. And then to close out FP3, Russell was complaining about those bottoming issues. Makes sense for the Mercedes, I guess. <laughs> there was a red flag due to a chunk of an Alpha Tari coming off. Joe hit the wall. Definitely foreshadowing for bad weekends for both of those teams. And then Checo, this was the big thing, was having a lot of issues about brake balance problems. Also had a lot of offs. Also foreshadowing. Um but overall, in practice, it was the usual aspects. You know, Red Bull, Aston Martin, Mercedes, and Ferrari all up there. Obviously, Red Bull the fastest. And sneakily, but sadly, I guess, turn, given how things turned out, the Alpines were also looking really good. For Quali, for Q1, it looked like it was going to rain but held off, which kind of happened at a lot of points this weekend. The main event in Q1 was only a few minutes into Q1. Checo had a big lockup, apparently from a brake problem, kind of understeered, beached the car in the gravel at turn three, basically just drove straight off the track and got stuck. So sad when you can see the wheels just spinning in the gravel, but they can't move the car. And starting last when you're only a point off in the championship lead is a tough pill to swallow. So definitely felt for him there. And then Piastri, Joe, Sargent, Botas, and Checo were out, which was also so sad for his home race because Piastri was P16 and super close to making it. Well, he did turn it around, which is great. Um, Q2, we had Hulkenberg in P5, which was great. Albon also continued his amazing weekend performance. He squeezed into P10 and set a fastest time for one sector, which was which was very cool. Uh, the cuts there, we had Ocon, Yuki, Lando, K-Mag, and DeVries. And then heading into Q3 to close it out, Max's first flying laps, they weren't that great. So it looked like we could potentially have been in for an underdog pull. Hamilton was only a hundredth off, even though I don't like to call him an underdog, but I guess for this year. That's crazy. Um, but naturally, on Max's last flying lap, he pulled ahead and got pole. But the big story here was Mercedes. We had Russell P2, Hamilton P3, and also just utter disaster for Ferrari. So those were the main storylines. Um, then we had Alonso P4, Sainz P5, Stroll P6, then Leclerc, Albon, Gasly, and Hulkenberg to round out the top 10. The fact that Leclerc is wedged in between a Williams and an Aston Martin. It's crazy. He's like he's the king, king of Saturdays. It's wild. It's very wild. So that's what I mean. Chessa has like- an extra hot take about Charles. It might even be too hot. Do spill. Yeah, my hot take might be too hot for all of you Charles Leclerc fans, but he's too cursed. I don't think he'll ever win the championship. So... Oh man, it's I know. sad. It slipped out today, but I think you know if I was thinking it, it's it's true. It might happen. Uh, alrighty, let's jump into the race. A fun fact is that this track is a low tire deg circuit. So instead of teams usually like they usually worry about the tires getting too hot and deteriorating, the issue is actually the tires being too cold and not having enough grip. But of course, tire strategy did not end up being the main talking point of this race as it ended. But Max was pretty vocal about saying that this played into the chaos because the tires really cool off at every red red flag. So he said that they're going back out on, quote, stone cold tires behind a slow safety car. And then it's really hard to avoid collisions and going off the track right after that. Um, So I guess it did end up playing into it. 
And another thing to keep in mind, we talked about this a lot from practice and quality is the gravel traps. They're huge. And instead of having like an asphalt runoff, there's basically just walls, grass, or gravel. So any small mistake, like you can't just like rejoin rejoin the track. Like it's pretty harsh, harshly punished if the drivers are making a mistake. And then of course, the four DRS zones was great, made for some great watching um, and keeps the pack all closer together throughout the race. So since this race was so crazy, we're going to walk through it walk through the whole thing and then go team by team. So the first of many starts of this race, we had Botas and Checo starting from the pit lane due to last minute car changes. There was a mix of tires. Most cars started on the mediums, but there were a handful of hards and softs as well. And this start was so just chef's kiss for the Mercedes drivers. Max really did not. Were you just freaking out? Yes. I was, I was losing my mind. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was, it's been a good weekend for Mercedes besides the George situation. But yeah, Max did not have a great start and he just didn't get off the line super well. And Russell passed him on the inside at turn one and then Hamilton passed him at turn three, which we will discuss uh, the a little bit of drama there. And then at turn three, Leclerc got a bit too ambitious with an attempted pass of Stroll. He later said it was a racing incident. He was beached in the gravel. So that was a full safety car, which was unfortunate. It kind of seemed to me like it was a mistake from him. I think Stroll had nowhere to go on the right of him, and then Leclerc got too close on the left. So, again, it's super hard to blame someone for an incident in the first few turns. But I think the commentators were saying, and I agree with, it just seemed like he got overambitious, should have been playing it a little more safe. Then racing got going again, and George Lewis and Max were all quite close at the front. At some points, the three of them were all in the same camera angle, which was crazy. And then this was when George complained that Lewis was attacking him, which we will also get into. (laughs) Then Albon had a big shunt at turn seven, a few laps into the race, flew through the gravel, hit the wall, and ended up parked on the racing line, which is always quite scary when that happens. So it was originally a safety car. George and Carlos both pitted, but then it was red flagged. So everyone then got a free tire change. So super bad luck for George and Carlos to start off the day. The rest of their day just deteriorated further from there. (laughs) But basically everyone went on to hard tires for the restart. Just goes to show also some of the challenges when they immediately call a safety car, which makes sense as they figure out the situation. But then if they later decide it's going to be red flagged, it really harshly punishes people who acted quickly under the first safety car and no one thought that would be a red flag so it was just gravel it must be so hard for the teams to try to predict that because you always want to be on the front foot but darn it really did not work out for them yeah lewis was complaining about not coming in yeah george went in he was like i like you really i forget what the exact wording was a huge disadvantage yeah exactly and then we saw what happened Yeah, and George was super diplomatic about it. He said he thought they made the right call. There was no way to know it was going to be red flagged. So after the red flag, there is typically a full standing start. They go out for another formation lap, just get right back on the grid, do another full lights out, and away we go. So we had a Lewis Max front row at the restart since George Mm -hmm. had pitted. So it was giving 2021 vibes, which was fun. Lewis held Max off for a bit. He got away at the start and for a few laps. But once DRS wasn't able to few laps later, Max passed him pretty easily on lap 12. That's actually insane. By lap 12, we had already had the second start of the race. 
at this point, kind of in this middle, more early middle segment of the race, it looked like the race could end up being a little boring because everyone was on hards. So there wasn't going to be a lot of tire strategy because these hards were hopefully just going to last the rest of the race. And Max was pulling off ahead in the distance. But little <laughs> did we know what awaited oh, us. So Boy. naive. So naive yes. we were. So on lap 18, we had that virtual safety car from George's power unit failure. It literally just like burst into flames. And when you were listening to the radio, like you could hear the flames. It was crazy. Um, In this middle part of the race, we had a lot of good midfield battles, which we love, especially me. Um, We had Alonso in P3 right on Lewis's tail. They both were driving super well. We had some really nice um, overtakes from Akon and Checo, which of course the commentators were eating up. With 10 laps left, stuff was looking pretty standard. It was Max, Hamilton, Alonso, Sainz, Gasly, Stroll, and Checo. Um, the excitement started with Max having a big lockup and off at lap 47, but he was so far ahead, it didn't even matter. Um, and then with 10 laps left, that's when the drama was happening. But when we were watching this race, I, I had known ahead of time that there was going to be eight DNFs before I watched the race. And I was like, we have 10 laps left. Like, how are we going to get five DNFs in the next 10 laps? And like, I'm started. <laughs> Um, they were like, hold crazy. my, hold my beer. Chata. Yeah, it was crazy. And even like my, my sister called me this morning, my dad, my mom called me and she's like, what happened in the race? Like your dad woke me up in the middle of the night screaming. And I was like, when is it good? I love that. I love that. So then we had the second flag and restart. So on lap 53, K-Mag made an unforced error and skimmed the wall a bit, but it was a big enough impact to wreck his suspension and cause a rear tire to fly off. And he parked the car in a pretty safe space, but a tire was out on track and I guess there was a lot of debris. So at first it was a safety car, but then it was a full red flag and Lewis made a comment about there being a lot of debris, but the big issue was just the tire on the track. But I think everyone at this point was just pretty unamused. Like, it's funny (laughs) to see how drivers react under red flags. Some totally get out of the car and just chill with their AirPods in. Lewis, some chat on the pit wall. Max, some push tires around. Alonso. (laughs) And some just sit in the car, probably sweating to death. Remember that time Carlos sat in his car for like 45 minutes? (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just a funny note. But There was another standing restart on lap 56 with only two laps left. It's crazy. And the order there was Max, Hamilton, Alonso, Sainz, Gasly, Stroll, and Checo. And that brings us to the final red flag. (laughs) Yeah, the restart was just absolute chaos. So again, there was a Max Lewis 1-2 start, but... It's wild. We ended after everything that happened in the 2021 season. We had two standing starts with a Max Lewis front row with no drama caused by them. It was all by people behind them. So first, Carlos got squeezed a bit coming out of turn one and clipped Alonso's rear. This caused Alonso to spin out, fall all the way back down the order. Then this kind of started a huge chain reaction. A little farther back at turn one, Sargent hit the back of DeVries. They both went off to the gravel and got beached. Then also at turn one, Checo and Gasly got pushed off, but were able to rejoin. But then as Gasly rejoined the track, he was kind of just in front and to the left of Ocon. Ocon was kind of towards the right, more against the wall. It seems like Gasly didn't really see Ocon kind of in the midst of all this chaos. And they touched, they both ran into the wall. It seems to me a bit more like Gasly's fault for not seeing Ocon, but it was also in the midst of this kind of general chaos and Gasly having been pushed off track. So I don't know if you can really blame anyone but what was so crazy was everything I just said happened in the span of about four seconds this all happened by turn three 
So just insane. It was an immediate red flag. And this, I think, was the only red flag that objectively made sense. There were multiple cars that needed to be recovered, including two wrecked Alpines against the wall with no easy way to get them off, debris all over the track. So this red flag, I think, out of the three was only one. That was just immediately obvious. Yeah, on the restart, the cars went back into the order they were at the standing start after the second red flag instead of the actual order they ended up in because ended up in because there just wasn't enough time to see if it was like a standing new order. So yeah, this usually happens when there's so much chaos around turn one, the red flag is thrown and no one really knows what's going on. The second sector hasn't been entered um, and that was the case here. So back to the original order. Um, meanwhile, Sainz got a five second penalty, freaked out um, for, for hitting Alonso. The surviving 12 cars had to restart under the safety car and then just do the one lap and finished. Surviving. Ins- yeah. <laughs> surviving 12 cars. That's funny. Um, yeah. So what do you guys think? I think like, like Sarah said, the third flag made sense, but the first and second, like I think unnecessarily, like to literally see like the low tech level of how they were cleaning up the gravel. Like maybe if they had a broom, they could have used just a regular safety car, but because they had a person kicking individual stones, they needed the full (laughs) red flag. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I think the first one should not for sure. Like he was not on the racing line and they definitely probably could have gotten away with a safety car and fixing that. Like he, yeah, I think he was, Albon was pretty far out of the way. The second one, it's hard to tell. Like, if there really is so much debris on the track that, like, you can't really get away with a safety car, then maybe. But, it, yeah, it just didn't seem to be the case. So, I yeah, I don't know. I think the first and second were a little bit more questionable in my mind. Yeah, to me, I think the f- maybe the first made more sense. I think Albon was a bit on the racing line, so that's always a concern. But once he's out of the car, which happened pretty quickly and they're just clearing gravel. Yeah. That's exactly what a safety car is for. Just make sure everyone's going slowly over the side, allow people to clean up the track. And same with K-Mac, he parked the car in a safe spot and the drivers were all very obviously shocked on the radio that a red flag was being thrown. Drivers were saying that even for similar incidents last race, it was under a safety car. So it just seems to be a lot of inconsistency with these sorts of decisions. Crazy. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. All right, with our remaining time, ladies, let us go team by team. So Red Bull, overall... Good weekend, damage control for them. I think this is this is Red Bull's first win in Australia since 2011 and Max's first win here. So interestingly, a ton of the field uh, was saying that they thought the gap to Red Bull had closed a bit, at least on this track. But I think they did, they did a really good job. Um, the reason I said damage control was because they had a decent amount of car problems in practice and quality. Max was having issues with his downshifts not working. 
Then Checo, of course, had his brake issues that caused him to start P20 in the race and understeer. Um, and so this is now back-to-back races that they're having a car out of quality since Max was out in Q2 in Jetta with mechanical issues. So definitely, uh, they I guess they made the, the most of a bad starting situation. But I think, like mine and Sarah's MVPs said, Checo doing P20 to P5 is incredible, just given the chaos that was happening the entire race. He had really risky, amazing overtakes that paid off. Like he was going around the outside at fast parts of the track where people don't usually pass. And then he also got his fastest lap. So I think he did great uh, in true Checo fashion. He wasn't totally like ecstatic in post-race interviews. They, he said that they really need to sort out their car problems, which is true. Um, before this race, he was the closest he'd ever been to the championship. He was just one point off max. So definitely sad. And I love that he's still like in his heart has the fire to be a world champion when I think Max is definitely the favorite child. So we did get a bit of a Max and Lewis fight, which was fun. At the original race start, the first standing start of three, first George passed Max at turn one, and then at turn three, Lewis went up the inside of Max. Max claimed immediately after on the radio that Lewis pushed him off track. I think overall it was super interesting having this top three be Max Lewis and Alonzo and seeing them together in the cool down room and the post-race conference since we don't usually see them together and the three of them are pretty publicly not the best of friends and Max first said in the pre-podium press conference he pretty clearly stated that when Lewis passed him at turn three at the first start Lewis pushed him off track it was against the rules it shouldn't have happened But then when the three of them were all together in the press conference, they seemed all chummy, generally kind of united, (laughs) laughing, just wanting to go home, calling the race chaotic. And Max, when he was asked again about the Lewis situation, uh, kind of backed off those comments a bit and just said, I wanted to avoid contact and want to damage my car. Lewis said it was good racing. He said he had the inside, that he didn't push Max off track and that Max didn't turn in. So he just said it was a totally clean situation. And then, as we said, Alonso profusely complimented Lewis's racing on multiple occasions. So interesting dynamic. And if this continues to be (laughs) kind of a top three we're seeing, I'm very, very interested in this. And I think it's always interesting seeing Max and Mercedes fighting wheel to wheel because there was kind of so much commentary in 2021 of them saying like, oh, you literally can't pass Max without crashing, which isn't true. But at the same time, it's funny how even now when they're not even really racing each other, there's still commentary about passing maneuvers. Yeah, I have to say on that point, like I was sort of disappointed in Max's post-race interview when he said that, especially given... A, they like replayed it. He was not ahead at the apex. Max's driving style, to your point, is like take no prisoners and don't ask for forgiveness or permission. (laughs) And he won. And it's not like that ended up having any effect on his race at all. So it just sort of felt like gratuitous and that, you know, I think we like move past that unless there's like a real questionable incident. But yeah, super agree on that point. It was just like unnecessary to comment on that. Yeah. Super interesting from Alonso about complimenting Lewis. I think as you said, Sarah, and as we all know, they do not get along often. And Alonso has just made some nasty comments about him in the past. So I'm curious how long the good vibes will last. <laughs> yeah, overall, as a broader point, I feel like Alonso has been being very diplomatic yes. overall. I wonder if this is some new return to the top, like Lawrence Stroll media training. I don't know what it is, <laughs> or maybe he's just. Well, he's on podiums good... again. So he's like happy. Yeah, he's just in a good mood. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
It's hard to be like mean and a villain when you know you're like standing on the podium on a, in on like Aston having a good Martin. time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so one thing we have to talk about, of course, is Danny's return. He was absolutely the star of the Red Bull show this weekend. Max also seems to adore him and was going on just about how good it is to have him back and basically how his smile lights up the hospitality suite, which is Aww. very cute. Max um, is kind of obsessed with him. Yeah. <laughs> Max, I feel like, like picks his favorites, like Lando and Danny and just kind of like has things, you know, where he's just Yeah, like, totally. Funny. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention here, so one of our amazing Australian listeners, Dana, sent us some incredible voice memos throughout Quali and the race, and she was saying that they had a fun Q&A or a fan Q&A with Danny Ricardo at one of the main stages and said that everyone was like dead quiet. You could hear a pin drop hanging on wow. his every word, and like she, she literally said they were treating him like a god. And the quote that I have to share that is the most iconic <laughs> Thank you, Dana, for this. She said she described Australia's relationship with their Australian drivers as you're trying to move on to your new boyfriend, Oscar Piastri, but you're still in love with your ex, which is Danny, (laughs) (laughs) which is incredible. That is a tricky situation to be in, I am sure. (laughs) I love that quote. I love it. All right, let's do Ferrari. I think, Damn, I really don't want to take this one. It's pretty hard to think of how this could have gone worse for them. Really bad quality performance. Then Charles has a mistake on lap one off the original start. He got way too ambitious, like way too ambitious with his, with an overtake. Fully beached himself in the gravel. And then Sainz was definitely like clawing on, fighting his way through the race. He was in P4 at the second red flag restart. He touched Alonso from behind on that restart. On that restart, he spun out. Um, and before the last restart... He found out while sitting in the pit lane that he had a five-second penalty. And since the race was ending under the safety car with the whole pack bunch together, this basically just put him last out of the points. Okay, his radio was our radio of the week. Quote, I prefer not to talk right now. I'm going to say bad things. It was so bad. You could hear him begging on the radio. It sounded like he was crying, but you could and you could see his eyes through like the helmet hole. Uh, multiple commentators, including Will Buxton, said it was the most upset they had ever heard him on the radio. Um, he was basically like, no, wait, like, wait, I need to, I want to talk to them. They have to talk to me about this penalty. Like, it's so unfair. I think was, he said please five times. It was hard to listen please, to. Please. It was Yeah, um, it was. It was very intimate. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, he was upset in the media pen after he basically just said, quote, it's the most unfair penalty I've seen in my life and that he couldn't do an interview. Oh. I don't know. I think this penalty was too harsh. Like, I do think that he caused the incident with Alonso. Like, he didn't leave him any space. He had some space to to give. And I think it might have been too harsh. But then when I was talking about it after, what else do you guys think they could have given him except for the five-second time penalty? It's, like, such a weird situation with this last lap restart. Yeah, it's hard because a five-second penalty ordinarily maybe would only put him back a place or two, and it ended up being so harsh just because of the circumstances. But I think it's hard. I I agree. I think Sainz had room on the right. He kind of turned into Alonso. But I think it was probably a racing incident just given that those situations are looked at much more leniently when it's first lap, especially at turn one. Even Alonso said that, saying, like, it's kind of first lap chaos – the penalty seemed too harsh. I think given the fact that the – I think stewards, it's hard because they want to apply things uniformly, but I think they also need to take the situation in context. And knowing that it would put him last and out of the points, I think is unfair for the situation. And 
I think just part of why he was so upset was going to this race, he had 20 points and Leclerc only had six. So after Leclerc was out first lap, this was a huge opportunity for him to really extend his lead with a big points haul. And I think knowing in that moment that he would get the same amount of points as Leclerc for the race, AKA zero was just too much to take. Yeah. I I think it felt pretty harsh, honestly, the, just the chaos that was ensuing and it just felt inconsistent. Like the fact that others who had similar moves throughout the race didn't get penalized for anything. It just, it felt sort of unfair. And I totally agree with the point that like, you have to take into consideration the safety car ending and like the fact that you're dropping him literally basically last. And it's just, I thought it was pretty brutal. Um, and I definitely agree. Part of the emotion is just wanting his shot at number one driver um, or like extending that points lead. But at least it's not like Leclerc got P1 or P2 or P3. Like at least I guess they both got zero points, but still pretty rough. That's such a good point about the similar moves because the Alpines, it was also a clip from behind incident, like a clip of the rear wheels. And it happened quite literally about 1.5 seconds later. Yeah. And maybe they didn't get penalized because they were out of the race. I don't know. But like, it's just, it just felt weird. Um, So yeah. For Mercedes, overall, Mercedes super happy with their progress this weekend. They keep saying, you know, the car is not where they want to be, but they really just, if whether or not that's true, they did great this weekend. So two, three in quali. And even if it was very, very brief, a one-two in the race with both drivers overtaking Max was huge. Lewis just seemed like literally the happiest he's been in ages and was just thrilled. Um, So that was very nice to see. It was a very tough day for George, as we've talked about. It was his first mechanical DNF as a Mercedes driver with a huge power unit failure and fire. And Mercedes really hasn't had power, power unit reliability problems in this new car era. So that's kind of interesting and potentially... Hopefully not worrisome, but maybe. Um, And then before the first red flag, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but when George was leading the race and Lewis was in P2, George was told to manage his pace. And then as Lewis was getting closer, George got upset on the radio and said, you're asking me to manage and I'm being attacked by my teammate. He like screamed it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The tone of it was just, the tone of it was so angry that I have said this multiple times that I was kind of expecting once I have a car that's good enough to fight at the front that the George Lewis relationship is going to get spicy. And I think this was the first kind of hint of it of George already being mad at kind of perceived favoritism of Lewis when George is in the lead. I think it's true for any team that it's a lot easier to be friendly and not get mad about team orders or not have team orders be an issue, that sort of thing when you're driving in whatever P7 and P8. But when you're fighting at the front, I think. I'm definitely expecting this to not be the first time this happens. Yeah, there definitely was some frustration there. I I didn't get the sense that it was like bad blood or anything approaching that level. I think George was just super frustrated to be told he to manage his pace when he's literally about to be overtaken. Like, I don't know. I feel like we'll see how that plays out, but definitely potential things to watch out for. On a side note, I just have to throw this out there, but the highlight of the Mercedes garage for me this weekend was Kelly Slater being there with Hamilton. We all know Hamilton is a big surfer, so I absolutely – first, I love Kelly Slater and his surfing, but just showing up was so, so cool. And for those who don't know, he's literally the most successful pro surfer of all time who he's won the surfing championship 11 times. So 
goat, acknowledging goat. <laughs> um, and Hamilton went surfing in Byron Bay before the race. And he talks about it in this amazing interview he did with Fox Sports Australia. I highly recommend any Lewis or Mercedes fans checking that out because it was really, really interesting. Nice. Also, another celebrity there was Cousin Greg from Succession. Yes. In the <laughs> I love that he's watching Succession tonight. That his name is just Cousin Greg. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I honestly, I don't think I know his real name. Isn't it like Nicholas Braun or something? Yes, it yeah. is. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Nicholas. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Alpine. Low-key kind of a clown show. High-key kind of a clown show. They had a double DNF on the second red flag restart. They took each other out. Just a yikes moment. Gasly started P9, Akon in P11. They had a lot more pace than they thought they would and were running pretty high in the points when they crashed out, which is a huge bummer. Gasly was running in P5 for most of the race, and then he was in P5 before that second red flag restart. It didn't really look like anyone's fault in particular. It was definitely in the midst of all the chaos after that second red flag restart. Um, and Gasly was a bit in front and probably just didn't see Akon behind, and they were both squeezed on the right wall. It's a pretty tight track. But Gasly was super upset in the media pit after he said he just couldn't talk to the interviewer. Kind of like the same vibe as signs. We had a lot of um, annoyed men out there today. Um, and there's a yeah, double. I can't really think of the last time someone straight up said to the interviewer, like, I can't talk right now because I'm yeah. too upset. Right. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I think this is definitely not going to help the rumors between between the two that, the, that they don't get along. Um, so hopefully they'll have a better show out. I don't know. I actually was like pleasantly surprised. They put, they filmed a video together after the fact and like just both talking about it like, oh, it's a bummer. We'll move on. Like the classic PR lines. But like they seem fine to me. I mean, you never know what's going on, on all under the under the hood. But I actually feel like they they're at least surpassing my expectations for the spiciness of their relationship so far. True. Good point. For McLaren, P6 for Lando and P8 for Oscar with his first points in F1 at his home race and McLaren's first points of the season. So sadly, Danny no longer has the same amount of points as the entire <laughs> McLaren team. But right, so yeah. happy for them, so happy for Oscar. And I think, granted, there were eight DNFs, but to credit them, they were in the midfield having to drive through a ton of chaos for three hours. So I think definitely still credit them for being up there with double points. So a strong weekend for them. On the other hand, it was really tough for Alfa Romeo. Just a bad weekend. They're kind of looking like the new Haas or just kind of back of midfield teams. P9 for Joe, P11 for Botas. So Botas was the last of the cars that finished. They're running at the back the entire race. On the brighter side, though, another quote from our friend Dana. She said, it seemed like Botas was getting just as much or even more claps and cheers than Piastri and that he's been kind of adopted given that he's self-identifying as an Australian. So definitely being embraced by the home crowd. Also on a brighter note, over the weekend, FIA Girls on Track hosted a panel discussion about the future of women in motorsports with a bunch of amazing women, including Christina Amanulides, who we've interviewed on the podcast before from Alfa Romeo. She's so amazing. Definitely check her out and follow her. Also, Justine from Triple Eight Racing and Emma Noter Francesco, from, who is a motorsport journalist. And this was part of the second annual FAA Girls on Track Development and Mentor Program that hosts 25 young women for the weekend. So we loved to see that. It looked so awesome with them, like meeting the drivers and everything and some of the like discussions and stuff. So, so cool. 
Um, some other teams here. So Aston Martin, we've talked a decent amount about them. We had P3 for Alonso, P4 for Stroll. Great driving from both of them and just a really good result from the team. Everyone was obviously so happy after the fact. And Alonso basically just said they're keeping their heads down, focusing on car development during the season because it's going to be a development race with Mercedes and Ferrari. So Mm. it's going to be interesting, especially because Aston Martin has less experience being a front-running team. So We'll see if they can kind of keep up the momentum there. For AlphaTauri, P10 for Yuki and a DNF for DeVries. Unfortunately, Ocon hit him at the first red flag restart. Then Sargent hit him at the second restart, and he was out. Um, But kind of a tough weekend for them overall. They really have been at the back of the grid, and they still only have one point for the season. And Yuki was struggling all weekend, kind of getting upset. So it's kind of a bummer. For Haas, we had P7 for Nico, amazing, uh, but a DNF for K-Mag, not so amazing. He hit the wall in that second red flag situation. That was him that caused it. From FP1 onwards, K-Mag just could not keep his car on the track. Ended up not well for him. Um, from Dana in in Australia, she said that Hulkenberg was living it up off track, though. Never without his sunglasses. He was definitely looking like a rock star. Um, <laughs> but race-wise, he really lost out on the final restart. He had a great race, running in the points, was up in P4 after all that second red flag restart carnage. So if that order had been held with signs as penalty, he would have been on P3, which is just incredible because I think, Sarah, were you telling me that he's one of the drivers or he is the driver with the longest or most starts without a podium? Yeah, he holds the record for that. The most F1 starts without a podium. So I was so excited for a second thinking – because once it became clear that science is going to have a penalty, I was like, oh my gosh, if this happens, I would be insane. (laughs) But sadly not meant to be. And Haas actually protested this, which is funny, but they lost. So that was kind of a funny side note after the race. So since the order went back to the original second restart order – Hulkenberg got put back in P7, but still a very strong result for Williams. Another double DNF. Albon caused the first red flag at lap seven with a big shunt, which was just so sad. He had had a really amazing weekend. He qualified P8. He was running in P6 when he crashed out. So just such a bummer. Then Logan Sargent was part of the big kerfluffle at the second flag restart and DNF at the very end of the race. So Tough Ugh. weekend for them. Bummer. So sad. Getting into news and headlines this week. So the F1 Academy, the new female racing series run by Susie Wolf, is going to race only on Formula One weekends next year. So for the series this year, only one race, Austin, lines up with an F1 weekend. So this is really a big change and a big improvement. And it's really important because for networking, just the general experience, meeting with teams, it's it's really huge for the women to be able to be in the same paddock as F1 on race weekends and just like be in that atmosphere and with that proximity. So that is a really really big step forward and great news. In other news, the Baku sprint race has been announced. So they announced that Baku will host the first of six sprints this season. This is the first time the sprint race format will be used in Baku. And if we remember from previous years, this is a really high speed and technical circuit. It's quite narrow and we regularly see incidents and crashes there. So definitely an interesting take. Um, Horner definitely had a lot to say about this. He said, quote, it's absolutely ludicrous to be doing the first sprint race there and that from a cost cap perspective it's all it's just basically going to run the risk of all the drivers trashing their cars 
the whole weekend. Um, but he did say from like a spectator show perspective, it's definitely going to be um, pretty outstanding. And one big change that is being considered, which has been discussed, is potentially making a Sprint Saturday its own standalone event, which is basically like a second race. So instead of the normal format that we've had for the past few years of having the sprint result determine the grid for a Sunday, instead we'll have Friday qualifying that sets the grid for Sunday. And then Saturday will be its own little independent event where there's a separate quality just for the sprint. Might be some sort of shortened format of the usual Q1, Q2, Q3. And then the sprint as its own little mini race on Saturday that then doesn't impact the starting grid on Sunday. So it's basically just like having two races in one weekend. So I think the teams, yeah, Max was super harsh on this. He made some comment about not staying in F1 that long if they keep changing (laughs) race formats. Okay, sure. Okay, Max. Yeah, which obviously is so (laughs) overdramatic. But I think it's a fair point that given it's a super crazy and grueling calendar with 23 races, and so making some of those – race weekends basically double yeah that's is insane a bit much that's insane um so before we wrap up just wanted to give you guys a couple other on the ground takes from Dana who was at the race um just a couple cool things if you're ever thinking about going to Australia but what's super cool is as we talked about during the preview it's a temporary track that gets built and you know rebuilt taken down etc outside the race so you can still drive and walk around the park while it's under construction and it doesn't closed to the public until less than a week before the race, which is so cool for fans. Like you can, it's the rare situation where fans can kind of track walk less than a week before the race, can see the teams getting there, setting up like super, super interesting. Um, And she just reiterated how immaculate the vibes were and just seemed like even all the drivers had an air of just chill and fun and happiness. People were shouting for Botas, Danny and Oscar, especially, Um, and apparently after the race, everybody was on track, like taking DRS signs and stuff, which is, which is hilarious. Um, We did that at Mexico too. Yeah. And one thing she noted, which is kind of interesting is it was, she said it was really cool to see the F2 and F3 races and seems like people and herself included will be a lot more into watching F2 and potentially even F3 as well as F1. So that's kind of cool that it's like a pipeline for getting more people into the, the starter series. So yeah, very interesting stuff. All right. Well, to wrap up an epic episode, we'll give you guys the constructors and championship breakdown. So we have for the constructors, Red Bull at 123, Aston Martin at 65, Mercedes at 56, Ferrari at 26, um, McLaren at 12, Alpine at 8, Haas 7, Alfa Romeo 6, and Alfa and Williams each with 1. For the wow. championship, yeah, I know. Okay, the fact that spread. Ferrari has 26 and Aston Martin has 65, <laughs> what on Brutal. earth? Well, Brutal. for the championship, here we go. We have Max at 69, Checo at 54, Alonso at 45, Lewis at 38, Carlos at 20, Lance at, tw- Lance at 20, George Russell at 18, Lando at 8, and Nico and Charles both with 6. So the fact that... Charles no. has as many points as a Haas. Oh is my crazy. god. Brutal. No way. I know. Oh Wrap your heads around it. Gosh. <laughs> so sadly, we are raceless until the end of the month, but we'll be doing a special extended cut episode on a special topic for 
all of our lovely patrons during the week off. So stay tuned for that. And if you haven't already, definitely join us on Patreon. It's in our link in bio. Hopefully everyone has a great time off and takes as much time they need to recover from this crazy race. And we will (laughs) talk to you all soon.